We're live AF. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Oh, that's nice. There we go. All right. I only had audio going to uh, my left, my left headphone. Oh, well, is it a fix now? Yep, fixed it. All right, I like this. We jumped right into it. You crack open a cold one. Mm-hmm. A, Almost a, a no cold, discussion. A going cold live. snack. And it's been three months since we've recorded. Holy moly, we're overdue. Can you believe that? Uh, I've been told that we are not worthy. Of our print heads. <laughs> Have we let them down? I think so. Um, but, well, okay. We have. Of course we have. Yeah, of course we have. Yes, that's the easy answer. Mr. I'm, I'm, politician I'm disappointed over there. it had to come from me. What do you mean? Because you're just hedging there. You're like, uh, you know, maybe we haven't. Well, okay. Yes. We have not done a great job. Uh, being as of up late. today, as, as of, of late. late. Yeah. And I, there's been a lot going on. There has been a lot going on, and it's partially to blame. Like, you, I don't know if you feel the same way, but one of our last, our last episode, I think we started talking a little bit about the nano dimension news, and then it started getting pretty serious, this uh, offer from nano, repeated offers from nano to buy Stratasys outright. Mm-hmm. And I just have to be honest, I was pretty shy about talking about that uh, on the pod. I totally understand. And it's all I wanted to talk about, which means... It's a conflict. I, it is a conflict for sure. It's a potential conflict. We don't know. That's part of the issue, right? And it's ongoing. It is ongoing. It's still going. So I don't think we'll talk much about it, but we could talk about other things for sure. But... Over the last few months, that's all I wanted to talk about, especially early on, because the news was just sort of outrageous. But a little bit, a little tiny, tiny part of me thought, well, what if? Can you give us a, a, a broad overview, high level, just a, of what's been going on the last little while? Catch folks up, because our last episode yeah. was like the Super Bowl episode. I think we talked about um, the helmets. Oh, the is 3D, it really? The 3D printed helmets. I just did a quick peek, and the last episode was uploaded on February 21st, so almost exactly three months ago. We yeah, beat, we beat the and we recorded point. it on like February 7th. Oh my! So for real, we've been slow all around. Oh, it's terrible. We got January was so strong. We had so much energy and excitement and hope. And <laughs> what, what happened? What happened? Uh, I think we underestimated just how busy we'd be with kind of the restructuring. Maybe that's not the right word, but just the growth of Go Engineer as a whole. Yeah, that could be true. And there's just been a lot of new responsibilities and uh, things are different. Things are different. Companies grow and they change. This is an audio only podcast today. Uh, It's so busy around here. We couldn't book our favorite videographer slash editor and i want to talk about that in a second okay i want to talk i want to get to that um okay but real quick yeah okay this the stratasys nano stuff just really briefly well wait wait a second wait a second i want to get into that too okay but i got some recent feedback from a friend and he's a print head okay and he says I love your guys' banter, but sometimes I don't know where the heck you guys are going mm, with stuff. Valid. And, he, and he's like, maybe just start an episode off with just a brief overview of what you're actually going to talk about so we know what's coming. That is so obvious. Why have we never done that? I, I'm i not going to lie to you. I've kind of tried <laughs> a couple <laughs> times. And I failed miserably, and maybe it's because we're not both on the same page. Yeah. But like, I tend to keep notes. And today we are flying Freebird 
I have very little notes. I'm kind of making them as we go, but let's talk about it right now. Okay. I just want to point out, we were recording before I even was aware of it. Oh yeah. Today. Well, you know. So let's jump in. We're sending What what are we going to be talking about? I think we should cover Nano. Okay. Um, You're going to do us a brief overview of that. I think we're going to talk about AI again. Okay. I think it needs to be touched on. That has been a theme for us over the last year plus. Yes. And things have gone crazy over the last three months. Absolutely. Um, I also want to talk about just overall progression of 3D printing. I want to talk about something specific with Stratasys, and I want to get your thoughts on it. It's okay. the OpenAM product. Okay. And this is, that's mm-hmm. Stratasys trying to open up their systems. or it's Yeah. I wouldn't call it a beta thing. It's a real product. They're yeah. sending it out, and I want to talk about it that. It went through a beta phase, but it, it did. it's publicly released now. Yes. Okay. Are those three, three enough, you think? Probably. Do you have anything else in your back pocket? Um, and then I just want to get caught up, you and me, personally. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do that throughout. Because you okay. and I have probably only had two conversations in the last three months as well. I know. So it's not... <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So let's jump in. Those are our three things. Nano. We're going to talk about AI. And we're going to talk about... Just going to adjust your microphone there. Thank you. There you go. Thank you, Tyler. Oh, that is so much better. (laughs) Uh, So let's jump into it. Okay. Nano and Stratasys. You're going to give us the brief overview. It's going to be very brief and it is going to be absent of my opinions uh, for the most part. Because I'm afraid. Still? I'm afraid. But here's the thing. If if you're a prehead, if you've been listening to this show, we've talked about Nano going on almost the whole the whole run of the show. We've talked about Nano here and there. So most of that, uh, that's still up there. That's all in posterity. We're not going to rehash that. Okay, long story short, we know Nano has a bunch of cash that they have to put to use. They made some moves over 2020, 2021 that allowed them to build up just a massive stockpile of cash. They played their hand really well, I'd say over the last couple of years. And they're in this funny situation where the real the cash value of their company is less than their cash on hand. So this oh, we did go into a little bit of detail on this last time, right? Yeah. And we were talking about merchants merchantson, the activist investor trying to basically take <laughs> over the company, blah blah blah, and nano fighting them in courts to prevent them from doing that. So Nano initiated uh, a pursuit to purchase Stratasys outright. Uh, Stratasys has yearly revenues in the mid nine nine figures. Nano Dimensions about 10x smaller, 10% of that. So it's kind of funky. We've gotten a lot of questions. I know I have. Have you gotten questions about this over the last few months? Like what's, what's going on with this? Yeah. I think a lot of people were surprised that it was even in the cards that Nano could make an offer to buy them outright because it's just kind of strange. From where we sit, you know, like Stratasys is the market leader. Yes. They they own something like 30% of the market when it comes to commercial printers in the world. And Nano's not there. So... A lot of questions like, well, how they could do this? How could they do this? Well, they have the cash to do it. So they put in an offer um, that was at a premium um, for the current stock price. I don't remember the exact numbers because they changed day to day, but it was something like a 25 to 30% premium over the current stock price and Stratasys considered it. Board of directors turned it down. Nano countered with a even higher offer. Stratasys denied it. And at that point, because Nano was trying to do the deal without bringing on additional funding, they basically, that was the highest bid that they could offer if they were trying to buy 100% of the company. So they've changed strategies. They're still pursuing Stratasys, but they're 
pursuing what's called a tender offer and they're going straight to the individual shareholders and offering an either, even higher premium on their current stocks and they're trying to amass 51% of the outstanding uh, shares. They're trying to do that through basically public market and deals with institutional investors and things like that. And they're trying to entice these people like say, hey, your shares right now based on the current stock price are worth 15-ish dollars. I don't know what the exact number is today. We're going to offer you $20, just a premium. <clears throat> and we'll see if that goes. Um, Stratasys is trying to prevent that from happening, you know, through poison pill and stuff like that. Nano Dimension is trying to fight the legitimacy of the poison pill, which is kind of funny because they're pursuing two different, in my in my perspective, not my opinion because I'm not sharing my opinion, but from my perspective... <laughs> <laughs> Can you just say that and then share it something and then say, oh, I didn't. Yeah. Does it's, it work that way? I don't know. Can you just reshape like the meaning with of all, words? With all due respect. <laughs> I know. Well, it's funny because on one hand, Nano is fighting this threat from Merchantson and their largest shareholder from overtaking their company. And then they're trying to do the same thing to Stratasys. So it's just a funny irony. Irony. Um, as an uh, observer that's, you know, removed from all of the discussions and everything like we would be affected by this certainly uh, but we're a third party it's just ironic to watch it and that's kind of the current state of things all of all of that transpired over the course of months because it would take time right the reality is is when an offer comes in like the board of directors has an obligation to consider you know they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to do what's best for them so it wasn't very obvious that none of these deals would go through. You had a gut feeling. You had a pretty strong confidence <laughs> one way or the other, uh, but you just never know. For now. <clears throat> for now, yeah, for now. Does it make you nervous that the last, I mean, Yahoo, uh, I think is the latest news organization, if you want to call them that, that has updated us. Okay. On these things. And I think their latest article was written April 4th. Okay. Uh, is, that, so, is that the latest? <clears throat> That's like six weeks old now. Well, okay. So uh, the last revised offer was April 4th. Okay. This was written, this article was written. That was directly to Stratasys, right? So yes. my guess is that's that's the latest offer that was rejected. And then the strategy shifted over to a tender offer, basically buying the shares and amassing a controlling uh, majority that way. Right. Does it make you nervous? What's speaking of gut feels? What's your gut feel now? It's been quiet for yeah. a while. It's been yeah. quiet for about a month. We haven't heard anything. What's going on? Yeah, my guess is that if they're actually serious about this, then they're approaching the largest shareholders and trying to work out deals that way. So that's going to take some time. It just seems, I, and we've touched on this before, it's just so weird to think of, I mean, it's like it's like Michael Jordan buying the Wizards, you know? Like, it's a whole organization, and it's just weird to see one yeah. individual that has the financial power to purchase an entire organization. And then, you know, the whole the whole value thing comes into play where it's like, the board of directors have probably a perceived value of Stratasys yeah. as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, even though their offer price of $20 wasn't, was a premium, quote unquote premium, they still don't see it as, uh, well, it, it doesn't seem to be in their eyes, a good decision for the shareholders. That seems to be the case. That seems to be the case. There's the, there's the value, but then there's also like this loss of control. Right. Like it's it's your organization. So um, do you want to sell it? Who the, whose organization is it? Well, you know, it's a shareholders organization technically. Right. Right. But the a board is meant to be like stewards of the ship. You yeah. Know, they're meant they're trusted to make decisions that are best long term for the company. And so. Especially if when you look at the financials of Stratasys, they've they've been on a on a hot streak and they have made some internal changes that take some will take some time 
to kind of work out. But we're just on the tail end of some big recent acquisitions that were turned into products that are starting to emerge in the market. And there's a lot of really positive energy there. And their financials are good. You know, the Q1 financials just came out earlier this week and they beat expectations by quite a bit. You know, they were expected to lose something like eight cents per share and they earned two cents per share. So they totally flipped it. So why would you hand over, you know, the reins to a company that (coughs) it's uncertain how it would be run? afterwards you know what i mean it's just it, it, that's a nice way to put it well you, you really just don't know like i said they played their hand really well over the last few years uh, nano did to put themselves in this position you have to respect that for sure uh, but from a technology perspective and from a product perspective stratus is in a different realm and so you'd really be looking at you know, what ip does nano have or what markets are they tapped into that we're not does it make sense to combine forces in this way? I don't know. That's not my decision, but it's been interesting. It's been something that I would love to talk more about and more openly about, but it's also part of doing the pod is you're sharing. We're literally in a dark room right now having a <laughs> conversation and it feels like it's just between you and me, but it's not right and that's so what you're saying is you've lost your guts no guts no did I glory ever have guts did i ever have no guts? i don't know <laughs> up till now i feel like you've been pretty straightforward but i feel like i am being straightforward now but you're not being openly speculative no i don't think so wow that's... our print heads deserve that what? What, are you, what? what are you trying to get out of me right now? I don't know. I just want a, a little more honesty. I want a little more risk taking, you know? I feel like... What's going to happen? The, I don't know. You know what? I got a salute from the owner of Go Engineer <laughs> or once owner. Now, what? 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 what's he considered at this point? Well, president? He is president, but he's also, he also owns... Yeah, it's still owner. Well, yeah. I got a salute you from him this morning. Him. I think he saluted me when he saw me walk into the uh, the podcast you think room. He was and- like, "Okay, finally, these guys are going to air <laughs> all of their opinions on this nano dimension." <laughs> uh, he probably Fiesta. doesn't even know we exist, <laughs> but he did salute me. I don't yeah, know that- what that meant, but I think what it meant was that you're allowed to give your opinion on the pod. The, the great thing about that, and actually in life in general, is you get to choose what it means to you. And that's the great, greatest power that we have. Oh, is it? It is. Hmm. I wish you would choose to openly speak your mind. Well, it's my choice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. Well, if that's all, if that's all you're willing to say, that's, I mean, that's big news. Yeah, it is. It is. Big it's news. probably, yeah, we're, we're a little biased, but in the additive world, I think that's something everybody's got their eyes on. I think so. We have seen and we've been talking about how this year and last year you know there were so many mergers acquisitions within the space and if this were to go through it would be one of the biggest i think but again it would be different if you had two really well established players joining and this one's a little bit more lopsided so that's why i'm saying you just don't really know what would happen you know what I mean? Like if, if you did come in under new ownership, this does happen where they just stay hands off and they just let it run. I don't think the personalities at Nano Dimension would be like that, but I don't know them personally. So it could go that way. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Well, okay then. Uh, let's talk, let's talk about this AI stuff. Okay. So I know that your first, <laughs> I, at least what you, what my understanding is your first dabbling into the AI was with art. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. So folks around here are starting to use chat GPT Mm -hmm. for all sorts of tasks. Oh yeah. And just yesterday I used it for the first time. Wait, for real? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about this because I cannot believe it's taking you this long. I uh, yeah. I'm, it was I, released in Jan- in December. I know. I'm not an early adopter. 
of anything. I think you're still on the early adopter. Well, actually, I don't know. ChatGPT has like 100 million users now. No surprise to me after yeah, what yeah. I experienced yesterday. Yeah. So if you haven't yet, I highly recommend just playing around with it. Um, one of the ways folks are using it around here is to write emails, yeah. proofread, yeah. kind of just like a sanity check almost. Yep. Uh, we got a lot of sales reps that sit in a cubicle all day long and they are workhorses. They do a lot of work and they're always looking for extra <laughs> little bits of efficiency. Yeah. Some of them don't know how to spell very well. Mm -hmm. Some of them don't know how to format a sentence very well. And this has really shaped things up. That's for true. them. Um, it takes your emails to the next level. Now, I'm not saying that I'm perfect with my spelling. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that I'm mm -hmm. perfect with my grammar, but I've seen some of the emails around here mm -hmm. and they ain't, they ain't all perfect. They, everyone does their best. And I know they're not listening to this, so I'm not worried <laughs> about it. Um, but I, I needed help yesterday. So I talked to one of our most experienced reps here that sells SolidWorks and, um, Someone had suggested, I went to a little uh, barbecue. They're like, oh yeah, he's probably using it for sure because this guy has a reputation okay. of being an innovator and a high producer. And this person suggested, oh yeah, he's probably using it. He's he's a, he's a an early adopter. He's probably dialed on it already. Okay. And I was like, I'll have to ask him. So I asked him the other day. I said, hey man, are you uh, using this chat G GPT thing? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, did you see it on my computer or something? And I was like, no. And I, I looked around at his monitor and yeah. it was what it was yeah. the biggest thing I on have, his screen. I have noticed as you walk around the office, you'll see it up just like you used to see the spreadsheets and things yes. like that. Now you just see like that chat GPT window. Yeah. yeah. And he's <laughs> like, he almost like he's like, yeah, I'm guilty. Like he almost had that guilty look like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm using it. Yeah. And I was like, so how how are you utilizing it? Yeah. And he said honestly? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, sometimes I just come into work and I'm not in like the best mind space. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not in the best mood or maybe something's affecting how I might write an email. And he's like, your mood definitely affects totally how you write. And that's got to be one of the biggest challenges with sales is con maintaining consistency despite life. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's actually pretty clever. And he's like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll write an email. I'll say, hey, um, suggest a more empathetic version yeah. of this. Yeah. He'll put it in there. And I was just like, my mind was blown. I was like, that is clever. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the other guys that I know that are using it are, it's more very, it's it's a proofreader, essentially. Yeah. They're, they're sending a, an email to, you know, they might be casting a broad net. They might be sending an email to 50 people. Yeah. Um, a more targeted <clears throat> audience, but basically a broad, okay, a broad email, and they'll just do it as, "Hey, help me clear this up." I have a problem of not being concise, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm always like, "Man, I know I could reduce the word count here, but I just can't quite figure out how." Yeah, uh, without just spending thirty, forty-five minutes on a single email. Yeah. Um. I needed help yesterday. So I ran into a little snag with a customer. Um, they bought one of our biggest machines, uh, the, the F900. Okay. Congrats, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and don't, don't be too, don't speak too soon. Okay. Because here's the reality. Um, the installation's going very well. Uh, th that's, they're in the process right now of kind of bringing this in house and they're just about to set everything up. Well, um, these systems are highly configurable the way you purchase them. You know, mm -hmm, you can purchase mm -hmm. them bare bones or you can purchase them with all the material licenses unlocked. And this customer happened to think when he bought the system fully unlocked, that it also meant that it came with all the tips, all the materials and was just kind of a okay. starter package for every consumables. Mm -hmm. Okay. And <clears throat> since that didn't happen and that's what their understanding was, um, 
there was some frustration there. Okay. So are you basically composing an, an apology email? Is this what this is? Um, I had to compose an email to my Stratasys manager uh-huh. that, so this is what I needed to help is with. Is it a negotiation or it's, what is this? It's kind of like a negotiation. Basically, okay. I had to say, hey, listen, here's my, I had to tell them what's going on with the customer. Yeah. Relay that information factually without trying to make it seem like I was pointing the finger. Yeah. Because these emails often go that way, you know, not just from myself, but it just, it's very easy for this to be like, well, who, well, who told them this or who, who's, who sold them the system this yeah, way yeah, or yeah. whatever. And very clearly for me, I had gone over this with the customer. Um, this is a first time customer, by the way, this isn't someone who's been with Stratasys for a long time yeah. and understands kind of how the systems work and how the purchasing goes with material licenses and things like that. So yeah, basically I had to say this customer misunderstood something. This wasn't a matter of like a bait and switch situation. Uh, I didn't want to point the finger yeah. at there, my, there was at, an assumption made at myself or anybody else. Is that accurate? There an was, assumption. There was, yeah, there was an assumption yeah. made. Okay. And but perception is reality, right? Sure. So the customer is always right. And yes. their perception is, and all that tells me as someone who's trying to like sell a system is on the next one, you yeah. need to be explicitly yeah. clear. <clears throat> For um, sure. You need to make sure you go over this one, two, three times until it's like, cause they'll shake their head. They'll nod their head like you are right now. Uh -huh. Like, yeah, 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 uh -huh. I get it. And you're like, do you really though? Yeah. Do you really? And um, yeah. So anyway. I used chat GPT to, com uh, to give me instruction on composing the email okay. first. Okay. I didn't intend to do that, but that's kind of how it worked out. So I said, you know, help me, help me write an empathetic email that doesn't point blame. And then it gave me like five suggestions. And by reading those suggestions, I realized, okay, I can change my input a little bit to get better output. Yeah. So I rephrased what I wanted. Yeah popped up five more um, instructions, said, if you want to do this, then you need to do this, this, and that. And I was like, holy smokes. So there I am typing up my email, just going off the instructions. I was like, yeah, this is brilliant. So I finished the email and I'm like, oh, this may be a little wordy. Maybe we can make this more concise. So I copied and pasted my email, put it in chat GPT and said, review this and, um, Make it more concise. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, did a good First job. First try. Right on. Didn't even need anything else. It was just, it, 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 it said exactly all the main points, exactly what I needed to say in the right order, and it sharpened it up and was able to fire it off and feel good about it. That's awesome. It's that's an, awesome. It's amazing. It is it's an amazing a, tool. It's conversational, which is like, that's the biggest thing, right? Because we know like if then statements in coding or whatever, like it's only as good as what you put in. Yeah. Right. But this is that, but you can talk to it more like a human. Right. Yeah. That's it's the biggest incredible. key. I mean, that's, that's the game changer here, right? Is it's this language model that interacts with you in this natural language. And now I'm more scared. About? AI. I was never one of those people that's like, be afraid because uh -huh. that's been the thing like yeah. everyone We've just talked about it we have several episodes on ai over the last year yes yeah. and and people want it to be fear-based and mm -hmm. everyone should be scared of this mm -hmm. elon musk is saying mm -hmm. things like this and it's just like oh my hell like come on everybody it's just a fear tactic it's just to get everybody riled up but now i'm like okay i can see how in the wrong hands this could probably be bad Oh, in the wrong hands for sure. Because it's so empowering, right? Yeah. It it can take it could take a dumb person like me and make them a little bit seem a little bit smarter. Yeah. It can take a smart person and make them incredibly powerful. Right. It could make a bad person and make a bad person worse. Yeah. I've I've definitely felt a little bit of uneasiness or 
Like, uh, it magnifies your capability. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it does. Um, it has the potential to do that for sure. Some of my, I've been thinking about it a lot. Like what's the role of the human in this long-term? Cause you have ChatGPT, which is just this UI in a browser. We execute. That's what I did yesterday. Yeah. You directed it. I would say I you directed it. I directed it. It yeah. gave me quality instruction and then I executed. Yeah. So yeah. my only job was to be the fingers on the keyboard. Well, in the past, as a human, uh, you could make a whole career out of doing what ChatGPT did for you, right? If you were a, a good writer, if you wrote well, you could make a career out of that. You know what I mean? If you were the person who knew a lot about everything, you could leverage that and that's a differentiator that shows up in whatever career you were, you're in. If you're able to connect the dots in ways that other people couldn't, that's a differentiator. And ChatGPT and other tools like it, you know, even the playing field in that way. You know what I mean? Yes. And so for, can I, I have a that's fun where analogy. I, that's where I it's feel be like fun a little for me. existential crisis is like, man, whatever I felt like I was, you know, above average at, I'll, there's a lot of overlap. Oh, you're one of those people. With these tools. So you feel threatened by this. Um, uh, a part of me does, but mm. the other part of me knows that um, if I know how these tools work and if I understand how they work and why they work, then I can leverage the tools better. Yes. And other people. So have you been and working so on it? I've, I use it quite a bit. What are yeah, you use it using it for? So I can give you a few different examples. Okay. Like when I'm going into a presentation, public speaking presentation, whatever, I always try to fit like a narrative, a story. Um, and especially the more I do this, the easier it becomes to essentially sell printers, but you're not selling printers on the stats and what the printers can do, but you're trying to sell people emotionally on what the printer can do. Well, kind of like what you're doing right now. You're telling me about ChatGPT and how it took this burden off your shoulders and it helped you elevate yourself. Like that's a compelling story. So I've used it to supplement stories and narratives and stuff like that. You know, one of the, for example, <clears throat> we're, we're talking about Velo 3D quite a bit lately. And part of their history is they were founded in the mid 20 teens and it was meant to be it was founded by a physicist for example and he had a certain trajectory that he wanted the company to go to towards and then over the course of the next eight or nine years that strategy has changed due to market response you know it went from a company that was going to sell an uh, an add-on to improve the outcomes of existing machines to a machine that a machine itself there's a hardware component and the value prop was not so much the types of parts it can print but the information that comes with those parts so total shift in strategy and i was like there's got to be um there's got to be some other innovative technologies that followed that same path so i had used ChatGPT to help me help identify some of those same technologies and it suggested x-rays as one x-ray technology x-ray imaging uh, was first invented in like the 1890s by a physicist and he didn't really know what to do with it and it wasn't until 20 years later when some medical professionals caught wind of this and they found an application for it and that was the first productization of x-ray imaging was for bones and things like that. But there was a 20 year gap where we could do something, but we didn't really know what the value of it was. And so telling that story, and we all know how huge x-ray imaging is right now and how important it is telling that story as a way of setting context for this other story just helps, helps the presentation for me to do that type of research traditionally through Google or whatever would have been a lot more difficult. And I probably wouldn't have landed on that same one as, and definitely not as quickly because I literally do this on the plane while I'm flying to the city that I'm in. I've used it to prepare for conversations with people whose titles I've never interacted with. So I've used it to help me understand like what's important to these people. 
how do I sound human? Yeah, right. I'm but how kidding. do I hold my end of the conversation? You know, in this, in one particular case, this person had been in this industry for 30 years and had risen through the ranks. And so I was asking it like, what are some paradigm shifts in this specific industry over the last 20 to 30 years? That was a question that I asked. So I think the most important thing when we're onboarding these tools is this shift from uh, what becomes most important is knowing how to query it, knowing what yeah. you want. Yep. And then it's going to help you get what you want, but you have to know what you want. And that actually still requires a lot of creativity because- And the, clarity. And clarity. Yep. But for example, if you're using it to help rewrite an email or whatever, the simplest way is saying, hey, make this more empathetic or use stronger language. Don't- or eliminate passive language. That's probably one that I could use help with. And it spits something out. Another more clever way of doing that is saying, hey, I'm going to give you this paragraph. My goals are this. I want you to deliver me a table of 10 suggestions, and I'm going to choose which suggestions I want you to implement. And so it doesn't just rewrite it and then you're stuck with it. It gives you a table and you could say, okay, well, implement number three, rewrite it, and then deliver me 10 more suggestions. And and interacting with it that way so that it's easier to go back and forth with as an example you wouldn't you wouldn't naturally approach it that way but with a little bit more creativity on the user side you can make it even more efficient does that make sense yeah it does i <sighs> one of the things that i uh i was thinking as you were talking is there is an element of trust involved with all of this. Yes. Especially where your query is something regarding history. Yeah. The internet could be full of bad history. So we Correct. have to trust that the sources for chat GPT are, you know, peer reviewed, these, these good quality sources. Now, I mean, as you kind of check the boxes when you're signing up for it, you're you're basically agreeing to you're agreeing that you're not going to take any of it as fact, sure, necessarily, sure. Um, in other words, but and this is where I think it is really important to understand what's happening in the background, like how is it delivering what yes. what you're asking it, because it's not it's not checking the internet for resources, and specifically ChatGPT. Unless you have the browser capability, the web browsing plugin capability, which most people don't, um, it's not checking. It's not checking. It's basically a statistical model in the background predicting word after word after word. And so what happens is you get uh, what they're calling is hallucinations. Basically, it's giving you false information. And so when you know that, you tend to develop a sense for what type of questions it's going to perform well on and what type of questions it won't perform well on. You know, for example, if you asked it, what are the last six CEOs of Stratasys? Very likely it's going to be have 50% success rate. It's very unlikely to give you the correct answer there uh, for now. That's getting better. Actually, one tool that became public this week is Google's Bard, uh, the next version of Bard. And it does have web, web browsing capability and it does a better job of citing sources and things like that, which makes it easier to fact check because you do have to fact check if you're looking for very specific things, uh, certainly. If you're looking for facts and figures and whatnot. The other thing you can do is you can kind of help it. Uh, you can prime your prompts. So you can give it some structure. For example, it's not good at math because math is not based on like statistics of the next word, the next word, the next word. But if you prime it, if you say like, um, if you asked what's two plus two, for example, um, just out of the get go, it may say it's one or it may say it's five. It may say it's four. It's not very reliable. But if you give it a pattern of like three successful, accurate addition, uh, equations, and then you ask it, then it's chances of success are higher. Another thing that just simply following up the question of, um, how would you improve that? Or, uh, can you expound on that or what have you just this, no matter what the question is, if you just ask it a follow-up, like, Hey, can you improve that answer? 
it's been shown to the increase in accuracies jumps by like 20%. Yeah, it's crazy. So understanding all of this, it, it, in other words, is incredibly important in how you use the tool. It's not a magic box. Yeah, So, absolutely. And in fact, uh, I would say that have, maybe this has happened to you. Have you received an email that was very clearly 100% written by ChatGPT? Not yet. I've received some things that I have very strong suspicions that it was written by ChatGPT. And one of them was a personal note. It wasn't like a corporate or business email. It was like a personal message. And I'm reading this and in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, this is, this is AI written because it has the telltale signs, but I was not judgmental about it. I was just trying to keep in mind, like the person who sent this to me clearly had a message that they wanted to communicate and they felt like, are you trying to, <laughs> you, are you saying like this person's obviously not smart enough to write like this? Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. What it are you saying? Un, it's unnatural. Oh, or, the one I had yesterday was very natural. Do you think if I read it, I would say, oh yeah, Tate wrote, wrote this. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but that's not going to apply to everyone. You know what I mean? Like, especially if it's kind of out of character and it's just, it's, it is formulaic. I mean, for, it, for me, when you're reporting, Hey, this is what happened. And this is what chat GPT helped me with is like, be factual, yeah. try to remove your experiences here yeah. and just state the facts, Yeah, which that's why my email was more sure. Probably natural seeming because it wasn't about me. It was sure. Here's what's going on. And here are my suggestions for a solution. Can you help me? Right. Let's say you got a letter from a friend out of the blue and it was like <laughs> very complimentary and whatever. It's already, and it, it's already weird. It's already weird. When you get a, and when you get it, a letter from like a friend in the, in the style of paragraphs and whatnot, it's like, yeah. it's, it's kind of, you know it, but the intention, the intentions there, you know, so it's great. Open AI as a company is kind of interesting. You're going to start to see some of these tools integrated straight into Outlook and all the other Microsoft tools. You're going to see them in the Google tools as well. And uh, they're going to be part of our everyday life for sure. Like for sure, for sure. Because they have this immediate instant ROI. Yeah. And that's kind of probably what we should end this topic with is just it needs to be used responsibly. It's a powerful tool. But it needs, it can be a magic box for you. It can be. But, I, don't know, I don't know where this is going to end. There's, but it's not super responsible to just go in not knowing mm, what its use yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, for sure, for It takes sure. a targeted approach. It's like yeah. driving a really fast car. It, you know, you know it's capable of going very fast, but you need to choose the right places to drive it fast. Yeah, and you have to ease up to it, you know? You're not going to... Use it with discretion. The f You go buy a, a Bugatti. I see what you're saying. You know, you're yep. not going to go hit a 200 miles an hour on the salt flats on day one. You're going to get more comfortable and you're going to drive it at 90, 100, 120, whatever. Do the same thing there. I, I do want to say though, OpenAI, OpenAI just released uh, a paper that they were showing text to 3D model. This is kind of, this is a perfect transition. Okay. So? Um, and it's pretty interesting. NVIDIA had done some stuff like this as well, which we talked about on the pod. Um, OpenAI's, the models looked a little bit better. They're still, I would say, like video game sprite quality. Okay. You know, it'll not, change fast. It will change fast. It is yet to be determined if you're going to be doing engineering quality modeling this yeah. way. Gaming is the easy one because there's no manufacturing sure. there. And you don't even have water type models, for example. Um, but engineering grade modeling or natural language interfaces into traditional CAD tools will come, I just, I, I, it's not very clear how they will come about. Well, and this is getting to, I guess the main point is, and, and we talked about the human aspect of this, it still requires a person to sit down and deliver a list of accurate wants 
and kind or of. and or needs kind of have you heard of auto gpt no so you have chat gpt which is in the browser right uh-huh you can generate an api key which allows you to write your own programs that ping uh chat gpt and uses the open ai models there's a tool called auto gpt which will recursively reach out formulate questions ping uh the ai the language model come back do something with it go back and do it back i've seen people give it very very generic asks and then it will go and do all of it on its own <laughs> all well, of it we'll on see its own. with in terms of engineering i mean if you're trying mm -hmm. to go from text to model mm -hmm. You're going to have to be, in my opinion, clear about what you want if you want first, second, or third time success. Yeah. And maybe that's where your value is, is, hey, I can use this tool to very effectively create models with yeah. this, that, the other. Versus it's not, with with most people, maybe it's very iterative. Sure. Taking a long time to get what you want. Sure. The, the language models are built on this algorithm called a transformer, and it's been used on language because there's great data sets for language all around. Uh, but the transformer algorithms can be used for other things as well. Like I saw one recently that was, it was trained on essentially like brainwaves and scientists were able to re reverse engineer thoughts from brainwaves. Uh. So the the upshot here is like depending on your training data like for example if you are solidworks and you have access to tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of solidworks models that all have feature trees and whatnot and if you could identify like this is a screw this is a bracket this is whatever and the model is actually trained on that i could see a scenario where within say the solidworks ui someone's like i need a i need to do a handle a, that is ergonomic how would i do that and it could give you some maybe some workflows that help get you there that sort of thing but it would have to know and understand what a handle is and the features that have been used in the past to get you there that's like probably the low-hanging fruit but it's really time intensive and costly to retrain these models in a in a usable way bloomberg retrained a model for on their all of their financial data like decades and decades of financial data and it's not public what it cost them but it was definitely six or seven figures in compute costs to retrain it <laughs> i i could go for hours on this being steezy ain't easy dude i know you yeah. gotta have some cash dude you gotta have money to make money yeah it's it's cool true. with statistical data like that mm -hmm. i mean because it gives you the opportunity to go backwards and create models for the future uh, that's kind of fun to think about totally um to to spice things up real quick before okay. we get into open am i have a youtube of the day great uh this is enrico tartarati okay just search what happened to google search that's, what happened that's to Google search? What happened to Google search in YouTube? It's a 14 minute long video. And um, as we were talking about the the queries and stuff in chat GPT, yeah. all I could think about was how good I used to be yeah. at asking Google for what I wanted yeah. and finding what I was looking for based on very specific keywords. And I was incredible. I felt like it was one of my skills. Totally. Um, this kind of goes in in line with what you were talking about, uh, being threatened by the future, right? Um, Google, I was really good at it. Yeah. And now I'm terrible. And I'm like, am I, don't I, think that's am, your I fault. am I getting old? That's what I like. I'm starting yeah. to think like, am I not, am I not in my prime anymore? Am I yeah. not able to search these things yeah. like I used to be? And when I watched this video, it gave me uh, a little more clarity and it gave me some peace of mind that I'm not going nuts, but it's just a money thing. I'm, I'm going to watch it. Um, you know I, what it's going to say. I have a good feeling um, and I have some personal thoughts and it really didn't 
it wasn't obvious to me until I started using ChatGPT and these other tools like Bard to do research and I was getting answers fast. And then you go back to Google and you realize everything's just SEO optimized and all you're just being sold to constantly. Yep. And the quality of the conversation and the information has, has degraded immensely. You know, like, I think we even talked about this on the pod. You go try to do research on a tool and you get a bunch of blogs or printers. Let's keep it topical here. You go, you ask it a question about printers and you get these blogs that are rating these printers and they've never even touched these printers. And these blogs could have been written by AI these sure. days. Yeah. Or you get these videos on YouTube that are just these computer voiceovers reading a it's script. It's just people trying with, to make with money. stock footage. It's just people trying to make money. They're gaming the system. And that is a real reason why these types of tools are existential threats to Google search for sure. And Google search is multi-hundred billion dollar business unit per year. Like basically yeah. the only at this point, Google's use to me anymore is I need help finding something to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's all it's good for. And that's all it's going to try and do is sell me something. You so should it's try like, Bard. Bard? Bard. Yeah. I'll send you a link to it. Yeah, please. It's their chat GPT competitor. Oh. And it's it improved immensely this past week. And they're actually moving fairly fast. They could have released this stuff years ago. You know, like I mentioned the transformer algorithm earlier. That's a Google invention, more or less. And they open sourced it by pub, pub, uh, publishing. Hmm. And all of these tools are built on top of that in theory. So Google has a head start on all of this, but they dragged their feet and OpenAI partnered up with Microsoft and hit the ground running and created this, this AI war, more or less. And then you have some open source tools like Singularity and these other tools that run locally, that's one of the other issues. I have so many use cases that I want to use it for. Uh, but when you use OpenAI API, all of that data gets sent to OpenAI. They say they don't use it to train and they say they, they keep it for 30 days only, but a lot of it's proprietary information. Whereas if you had something that's running locally, um, you could get around that. Like there was a big news article a few weeks ago about some Samsung engineers uploading documentation and there were some bugs with uh, ChatGPT for a while where you would see other people's conversations. Uh oh. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. So there's a ton of security implications as well here because people are uploading proprietary information, not necessarily knowing how the tool works. So in theory it should be safe, but it's not, it's not guaranteed. All right. We're going to move on to the last topic of the day. Okay. If you're ready for it. Let's let's tackle it. This last portion of <laughs> the Stratasys OpenAM is brought to you by none other than <laughs> the number one filament brand that wishes it could be printed on a Fortis 450. Oh, yeah. Juicy filaments. Someday it could be with OpenAM. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and play their latest uh, <clears throat> advertisement. Uh, turns out uh, JF, Juicy Filaments, uh, has come into some recent cash. Oh, uh, I don't wow. know. <laughs> so now they've gone ahead and gone third party for their. Hey, printheads. Have you ever noticed that people talk about Alexander Graham Bell being a genius for inventing the phone, but nobody ever talks about the people who make really, really, really good phone calls? That's why Juicy Filaments thinks 3D printing is so cool. People are making really cool stuff on 3D printers, and we know their names, and nobody even knows who invented the 3D printer. Well, actually I do. His name is Sal. Sal worked at the Safeway Bakery by my house. His early version of the 3D printer was an automatic cake frosting machine he called the hands-free electric frosting cake decorating machine. <laughs> I told him it was a stupid name and he should call it the Frostinator. He kicked me out of the bakery. Sal was kind of a jerk. As the years went by, he improved his poorly named contraption, but it never really became more than a parlor trick. One day, while squeezing baguettes, 
I mentioned to Sal that his machine would be cooler if it could squirt out metal or plastic. Maybe he could even blast mercury in cool shapes and hold it all in place by chilling the print bed with liquid nitrogen. Sal laughed and said, yeah, but it would cost way too much to keep cold. I had planted the seed that day. <laughs> Sal had a twinkle in his eye. He moved on from frosting and made a machine that could print load-bearing pasta walls, and the rest is history. I guess you could say Juicy Filaments helped push 3D printing into existence. Now, Sal owns several islands in the Bahamas and doesn't even know the names of any of you cool printheads. He just rolls around on piles of gold coin, content as a dragon. So keep printing cool stuff, printheads, and let's never mention his name again. And keep watching JuicyFilaments.com for the announcement of our latest 3D printer invention, a 3D cake decorating machine we lovingly call Too Frosting, Too Furious. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's so good. On behalf of Juicy Filaments, apologize to Scott Crump. <clears throat> you know, because apparently... This is, this is the second time this podcast has disrespected this, Mr. Crump. This is a hot take. <laughs> you know, that's a really hot take uh, by JF. That was amazing. To exclaim that some dude in a bake shop or a pasta place came up with the first 3D <laughs> printer. Anyway, uh, so, okay. On a serious note, you could potentially, if Juicy Filaments were an actual filament, if we ever actually see mm -hmm, one, mm -hmm. you could print it on a Fortis 450. Yeah, you could now. So, I think this is a good move by Stratasys. Um one thing that I recently learned, so what OpenAM is, if you haven't used a Stratasys printer before, a thing that's turned off a lot of people from going toward an industrial printer is that they, most of, uh, should I say most? A lot of them have a closed material system, meaning you have to buy the material from the manufacturer. Yeah. I can see, I mean, from a business standpoint, obviously people are trying to generate revenue, but I also can see and what has been our pitch for a long time is, you know, you get the consistency yeah. from the system because we have control over the filaments themselves. Right. Stratasys with the OpenAM is now saying, okay, we can use third party. We're going to go ahead and validate some of the third party materials. Um, and you can actually get those without having the OpenAM software. You can just purchase those yep. and use those immediately yep. um, if you already have a Fortis 450. So this is a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. What do you think about it? I think that it's going to do a great job of dispelling some of those complaints. But if you for every 10 people that have that complaint, one of them maybe will actually take advantage of it because it's a hell of a lot of work to get these <laughs> filaments to print, right? It's not just a matter of buying a filament and loading it up and hitting go. Like most of our print heads will know that there's a ton of fine tuning and time spent actually doing the process development and parameter development for the materials. And with an open source material, like that's what you have to do. You're just going to be doing it on a Fortis 450, which is a better platform to do the development on because it's more consistent you know, and in terms of the hardware and things like thermal control and speed and what have you, you're going to have. Which you haven't had access to before. You never had access to it. So <clears throat> it's awesome. I think for some users, it's a game changer because they have the time and the expertise to make it work for them. Well, and that's what I want to be clear about. So with the validated materials, you actually get the recipes. Yeah, with validated materials. With validated so there's a, it's a tiered system now, right? So you have the closed system or quote unquote closed where you're using the Stratasys materials. Yeah. You have validated materials, which are third party, but validated by Stratasys with, and they come with a recipe. So you still shouldn't have to access the parameters to print yeah. those successfully. You are limited on slice heights and things with those validated materials. Um, you won't have as many options for slice heights. And then... The third tier is fully open, print juicy filaments. Unvetted materials. And, the, and this is what you're talking about, where it's like yeah. now you have to understand this isn't a value for 9 out of 10 folks because it puts you in the same category as what you're with with your Prusa, where it's like when you run a new material, you need to come up with a yeah. recipe. 
And Stratasys will lay out a process for you and they have the software available. If you do do the third tier, you will need the open AM software to access the machine parameters. And you're going to have to spend a lot of time in development. So the the other component to this is with OpenAM, you get access, you basically get access to the parameters. So you can load in new materials, but you can also start to tweak the parameters of existing materials as well. So if you feel like you could come up with a different recipe for ABS, like you could do that. Which I don't know why you would. I don't know why either. (laughs) Uh the the other thing is you you mentioned when you said nine out of ten people, I thought you were gonna go somewhere else uh-huh. with it, and I thought you were gonna go down the road of like nine out of ten people don't want open systems in order to develop materials or to like actually get a material for application specific stuff. Okay, like those are our target folks, right? That one out of ten people where it's like, hey, listen, I have this crazy application. I need this material X yeah, and I can't print it on your guys' machine. I want to, but I can't. Yeah. Those are the people that OpenAM is like really for. Yeah. The other nine people are like, hey, man, I want to buy some Amazon material and run it through this. Right. I can't buy this system if I can't. Why am I talking in a redneck accent? (laughs) I don't know. But like, why? Why do they, you know, (laughs) nine out of ten folks that's what they want is they just want um they want a cheaper material option yeah but then there's somewhere in the middle where it's like there are folks that exist that are like hey remember that material shortage we went through during the pandemic we don't want to end up in that scenario so we need the open system just to have some more sources available to us so we're not ever down yeah i mean the open am system is not there's a there's a cost associated with it. So even if you're saving money by buying cheaper versions of ABS, whatever, overall you're probably not saving money unless you have a crazy throughput. Yeah. And so it really is more for pulling more performance or more targeted performance out of existing materials and bringing new novel materials onto the platform. Like for example, polypropylene. Polypropylene, you could bring polypropylene onto Fortis 450 now. For example, where you previously could not, there's no way. Which is awesome. <clears throat> it is awesome. That's a great material. Yeah. Um, warranty wise with validated materials, your warranty would stay yep. the same, which was kind of a question that I think we had early on. Yeah. Um, so that was something I wanted to address here. So if you have, have <laughs> already a Fortis 450, this is probably new information. Look into it. If you don't have a Fortis 450, or have considered these bigger production style systems for your job or your application, it might make more sense now. Um, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, on I'm that. curious as well. It's starting out on the Fortis 450 and it will expand from there. Yeah, they're saying it should go on the F9. Nice. So we just don't have timelines yeah. for that yet. I'm excited about it, although I personally am not going to do much with it at all. We have guys on the applications <laughs> team messing around with it, but you and I have had this conversation. Yes. I have no patience for this. Right. I wouldn't I I begrudgingly admitted I would buy a printer if if things changed in my life, but I don't want to tweak anything. I don't want to tinker with anything. I just want the printer to be a tool that works well and for us we don't have any very 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 unique specific applications personally like whether through our personal projects or here at work most of the stuff i print for myself is asa or abs yeah um i don't have even typically a requirement for for like ultim or something like that so we're the basic users that just want a really nice machine that works very well and that works when we need it to work and we don't want to tune it. Yeah. So like we, we're the people that in industry would buy a Stratasys system for what it's always been. Now they're marketing to new folks. Sure. I'm interested to see how, I mean, in the past we had questions come up. We're like, well, can you develop a, a specific material? 
And the answer was always yes. If you commit to a certain buy amount and uh, those numbers were pretty large. So it brings the cost for exploring and using. Well, it passes that along to the customer says now, yeah, you can do it. Here you go. Yeah, the, wor- the work Here, is on the customer. Here's shoulders. the tools. You guys invest in it, which is good if it's that important it's good. to you. I think it was a necessary development. Yeah. So there's some cool things coming out. Um, that's really all I wanted to touch on cool. with the open AM. And this has been kind of a long episode. So we got right into it. We needed to. I know. Are we, are we going to are we going to pick up pace again? I think so. OK. Yeah. Let's do it. We both were traveling a lot. So we, I made a commitment in January to something like 40 episodes or we're going to have to just speed it up. We're going to have to do double episodes. We may just have to like put it on the schedule, not once a once yeah. whenever we do it, but just have like a recurring, a recurring thing for sure. Yeah. So it's amazing that we haven't done that. Tyler will never say he's sorry, but I will say I'm sorry for leaving you print heads hanging. Uh, we're back with audio only and things may be changing. We didn't get to this, but our uh, video taker, our producer, what would you call videographer? Yeah. Um, she's become very popular. She's so become time very popular. Yes. And the view counts on our videos is not reflective of the quality of her work. <laughs> so. So we're not We've taking been advantage. Yeah. So either we need to come up with shorter episodes to utilize her better content. Yeah. Or um, we're just going to have to we maybe go audio only or utilize AI or just the occasional video. It won't be maybe consistently videoed. Just like a best of. Like, oh, we got a hot topic here. We got a mm-hmm. we got a video of this or if we have parts like okay. today we don't have parts, you know, so do we need the video? I mean. I know a lot of people really like to watch you. Give us your feedback. If you're listening, if you've missed us, um, let us know what you think. Do you do? Would you like a, a shorter format show? Is video required? How many of you are are on YouTube only? And if they're uh, on YouTube only, they're not listening to this. Great point. <laughs> great point. Oh, my. This is bad. This is it's real okay. bad. It's maybe okay. maybe let's post this on YouTube with just like <laughs> just the audio, just images that flash up. Uh, we'll search we'll, for an AI tool that we'll, we'll do just that. loop a juicy filaments ad. Here we go. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we're happy to be back. Oh, bless you. Bye. Way to send it off. <laughs> I was trying to hold it.